Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Oi, oi, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Benners. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, Bully. Great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by Ferrero in Rocher. To be more like Ian, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marler Show, become an official sponsor, get bonus content, and grow the show today. Joe Marler is a big-hearted man, and he's got a podcast plan. It's the Joe Marler Show. It's the Joe Marler Show. Oh, oh, oh. Hello, and welcome to our show. I am Joe. This is Tom Talk. Joe, I want to talk to you about festivals. Like the Harvest Festival? Yeah. Do you remember that one? What what canned food stuff are you taking to the Harvest Festival at school? I used to take in canned carrots <laughs> and spam. Mm. Would you ever be tempted to eat them on the way to school had you been able to use a tin opener or had one to hand? We often didn't have a tin opener for some reason. In the house? Yeah, I think it would either be lost in one of the rooms or they'd break Lost it. in one of the rooms? Yeah, what does that mean? Oh, that's... <laughs> Don't, okay. don't ask, okay? They'd just get lost. Yeah. Or they'd break and then not be replaced. So I actually spent a lot of my time opening tinned items with a knife. That, <laughs> Is that possible? Well, yeah, you'd get a carving knife yeah. and you'd put it in the middle of the tin and you'd bash it with your hand on top, go through, so it went all the way through to the very thick, thickest part of the knife. Then you'd pull it down as if you were slicing a loaf of bread to, to the end. Then you'd take it out, turn it round, mm. pull it down the other way, and then you'd start putting it in the middle and do another boff, so it'd cross-hatch, and then you'd lift up the four bits of metal and then fuck your stuff off out into the bowl. And, and you then, still, as far as I'm aware, have got four fingers and a thumb on both hands. What can I say, mate? I'm pretty handy with a blade. <laughs> I don't know why I've made that sound weird. It sounded very threatening, Joe, but I was sent an image from a festival recently which gladdened my heart, and it was a picture of you at a festival with a friend of mine. Aha! Big Al! Big Al! Big Al! Big Al! Yes! I went to a festival. Oh, that's why you're talking about festivals. Yeah, we went to Camp Festival in Dorset, Lulworth, at Lulworth Castle. Mm. 
It's fucking great. It's the second time I've been. Family-based festival, it's great. Everyone's sort of in the same boat where they sort of want to get pissed, high, whatever. They've made the mistake of bringing their kids. Whatever They're having a much do. worse time than they but could be got, otherwise. Yeah, they've got no... <laughs> the kids don't want to be no there. no babysitters yeah. available, no one else. Kids aren't sleeping properly. Kids, are, So let's just fucking bring them with us and see what weird shit can happen. But everyone's in the same boat. It's a lot of love, a lot of good energy there. Great food fucking great food some good acts as well but on the I think it was the Saturday night or early Saturday evening the sun was going down I go queue up for some dirty chips mm. and there's a few people asking for photos and that and I was like oh, right okay yeah yeah I'm polite these days I'm like yeah of course you okay. know and then this massive guy comes over and I'm, I've done a few and then I was like right okay I'm getting a bit bored here now my chips are getting cold and he went hi mate I don't want to photo or anything just want to say hi and I was sort of like hang on I know you do I know you or am I just really intimidated that you've alphaed me because you're fucking seven Six foot eight, yeah, yeah. Or, and he went it's me I came and watched you at uh, Club and Grand Bristol it's me I came and watched you at Bristol <laughs> <laughs> it's me Big Al I went Big Al Fuck, it's Big Al. And then he went, do you mind if I do it? I said, no, can you give me, I haven't got my phone, can you take a photo of us? He's like, you want a photo of me? I was like, yeah, send it to Tom ASAP. And he did, oh fuck, I've only just remembered that that's what happened. I was a little bit inebriated. Uh, what was he doing there? I imagine what everyone else was doing at the festival, he's just at the festival. Um, oh. <laughs> I've also been to a festival and I sent you a couple of images um, of me and Conkers at the I, festival. I really, um, really enjoyed these. So... I'm going to show you the images again, just describe what you're seeing yeah. here. So what I liked most about this one was I recognised the caravan or the, the motorhome that mm -hmm. you think. You I've, did, yeah. I've also hired Zafira, that one. Yeah. It's a great, great model, that. Um, and I semi-recognised that it was you poking your head out of the toilet door with a black and white striped top T-shirt with hooped. Hooped. Pattern black Zorro mask and a black woolly hat dressed was what can only be described as an anemic uh, <laughs> Pugsley from the Adams family. Is that fair? And then you had a picture... The but you, hang on, you weren't Pugsley. What were you, a robber? A cat burglar. A cat burglar. And then you saw this image. Then I saw one of your friends that's got a nickname. Conkers. Of which I then knew, having looked at it harder, it was obviously Conkers because of his schnoz. Um, <laughs> And he's dressed as a as an old school policeman with a whistle. It's a really good outfit, actually. And then I was waiting for the other people, like other pictures of other people dressed up that you were with, and then realised it's just you and Conkers in the eight-person motorhome <laughs> at a festival together, dressing up. And do you remember what you said to me? What did I say? Never be boring. Yeah, well, I need, I've got one more photo to send you, which is from taken from the main dance floor about midnight. as left field, I think we're playing. Were you actually... And now you've put the tash on. Where You didn't have the tash on No, before. I don't know where the tash has come from, but just describe to me what you're seeing there. Uh, Conkers is chasing you with his baton, <laughs> uh, fully kitted out. He actually looks like the police officer from... That old school carry on pro, you know, like uh, you're doing name? Blakey from on the buses. That's it, yeah, Blakey. Yeah, so he looks bus like conductor. Blake. <laughs> he looks. Oh, it's a bus conductor. Oh, I thought it was a prisoner. And uh, he's chasing the anemic 
Pugsley from Adam's family. With, who's the bloke with the beer? In the middle of a dance floor? Yeah, the bloke from the beer is just photobombing. Why isn't anyone else dressed up? Why is it just you two? <laughs> That's a very good question. But it has made me wonder, Joe, we've done many things together. We've done a live tour. We've got a show at the Clapham Grand coming up on the 1st of November, if you want to come along to that. It's part of the Cheerful Earful Podcast Festival, and there is a link in the episode description to click if you want tickets. But, Joe, I've found myself thinking, we should go to a festival one day. I think we should do... Camp Festival. Because it's closer to yours. Is it? Took me three and a half hours to get okay. there. How long would it take you? I don't know where it is. I just told you it's at Lulworth. Okay. So we're going to go to this festival. Camper van it? Yeah. Safira? Well, no. They do offer this eight-person RV that's mm. already all set up and just there. You just have to turn up. Price point? It's mega. Yeah. Three grand or something. I'd go a bit north of that. Five? It's, it's Okay. Go a lot north, more north. Okay. So we're in a tent with everyone else. <laughs> So we're going to tent it. It's a better experience anyway. And I think we should do Camp Festival 2024. And we do a live pod show there. Yeah. Talk to the crowd. Get them going. Enjoy it. There's loads of great people that you'd knock about there. Oh, can we do it? I'm open to any festival. If any festival organisers are listening to this, let us know, me and Joe. Because there were, the festival I went to, Blue Dot, there were other podcasts going on there. Let's get involved. Let's do a festival tour. Brilliant. Let's get a guest on. Brilliant. Our guest today is Andy Burnham and he is the Mayor of Manchester. Hello, Andy. How are you, Joe? Greater Manchester. Oh, they're different, are they? Yeah, yeah. Manchester's just the city. I'm the Mayor of the 10 boroughs of Greater Manchester. So, only about, uh, you're only about two and a half million people out. Tom, you you fucking stitched me up (laughs) in the first section. You were struggling with this Greater Manchester chat yesterday, weren't you? Well, because... I don't, what do you mean, greater Manchester? Is there other greater places in England? Greater London. Oh, my God. There's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> People don't say greater London as much as they used to, I don't think. Uh, they used, to, used actually, to be more yeah. common. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, started well this, hasn't it, John? <laughs> it's, to be honest, this is probably better than most of the starts, which says a lot about us. The mayor, the mayor of greater Manchester. What is, you're not like a mayor that, Cuts ribbons and you haven't got. I, I'm looking at you. You haven't got any gold. No ceremonial. What are they called? Necklaces? Chains? Chains? Chain. chain. No, you don't do any of that. No, they don't give me a chain. No. Because you don't want a chain, or because that's not yeah, the I'm, right sort of mayor. Just not been offered. But it's a different type of mayor. So you're thinking of a ceremonial mayor. I mean, I do do some of the things that uh, a ceremonial mayor does. I do cut ribbons. You know what we're all like. We turn up to the opening of an envelope and all of that. But no, my I'm of the kind of mayor of the mayor of London, um, which people are familiar with. Obviously, outside of London, elected mayors are a more kind of recent thing. But there is quite a number of us now. There's nine outside of London. So we are, if you like, sort of executive mayors, if you like, that you get in sort of US cities. And so for me, anything that has Greater Manchester in its name is my responsibility. We need to get into this, Joe, don't we? What what exactly a mayor can do, Andy? Because as you say, it's quite a recent thing. Yeah. So how much power do you have compared to people who have power over Manchester who are living elsewhere? Um, Quite a lot, but not, you know, a complete set, if I could put it that way. So we've just signed a new devolution agreement with the government. So, uh, for instance, you know, we've just got more power over post-16 technical education, which is a great thing. We've asked for it for a long time. Policing, I mentioned, transport, those are more established uh, powers. So we're kind of filling in the the pieces all of the while. And Greater Manchester, outside of London, is the place that 
by far has the most evolved, most evolved power. And I like to think we're using it pretty, pretty well. The city's definitely going places at the moment. So I don't know, you know, this is a reasonably new thing, but I would say the north of England has now got a stronger voice because of Steve Rotherham in Liverpool, Tracy Brabin in West Yorkshire, Oliver Coppard in Sheffield City Region, Jamie Driscoll up in the northeast, and myself. The five of us, I think, are giving this great part of the world a stronger voice than it's had before. What's what's the typical day in the life of a mayor then? So today you've just said you've been to two conferences. Yeah. Fucking somehow managed to grab you for 45 minutes in a, a random podcast. But is that like the norm of your day? Why, do you know, Joe, it's it's actually a great job because it's so so varied. So let me tell you what yesterday was. You know, first day back after the bank holiday. Where was I yesterday morning? I was in a homeless shelter in Ardwick with the manager of Burnley Football Club, Vincent Company. And why was I there? Because you might remember Vincent dedicated his testimonial year in 2019 to the work I was doing on homelessness. Because you, you give a percentage of your salary to homeless charities, don't you? I do, 15%. Yeah. Because I knew I wanted to make a big sort of change on that issue and I can't look anyone in the eye in Greater Manchester and say, oh, yes, come and donate and get behind this campaign if I wasn't prepared to do it to do it myself. So, yeah, no, I do. I do. Don't expect any great whatever for it, but, yeah. The reason I'm just mentioning that is because this is an incredibly varied job. Honestly, no two days are the same. There's the things that happen, the incidents that you have to respond to. I, I thought when I was leaving Westminster that I was signing up for a, a quieter life, but honestly... It hasn't worked out like that at all. Is that what you wanted? No, not really. I'm not that kind of person, really. I kind of thought I did, but no, I, I didn't. I, I've just loved this much more. You know, I, I feel that, you know, I'm I'm home, basically, aren't I? So I'm, I'm with a place I know, people that, you know, I, I grew up with. And this role frees you from the shackles of the, the party line and the party whip. It just lets you do what you think is right for the place that elected you. And it's just, I, you know, for me anyway, it's much more energising. Is it not just a stepping stone back to Westminster though? Like, let's say one of the big gigs came calling, because you're a career politician, you've tried to be leader, leader of the Labour Party on a couple of previous occasions. Let's say circumstances Failed changed. <laughs> well, let's say circumstances change. Is it not really tempting? Is it not like a manager who goes to a, uh, a smaller uh, club and he loves the club? But if one of the big clubs came in, he'd just think, like, I've got to do this. Do you know, I don't see it like that. And I know you might think, oh, here's, here's a politician's answer. But genuinely, I don't. So I was in Westminster for 16 years. Basically, slowly over that period of time, I fell out of love with the place. It was particularly one issue that, that I think changed things more than any, which was the work I'd done Hillsborough. So, you know, I went to Anfield on the 20th anniversary of Hillsborough as culture secretary. Having been at the other semi-final on that day in 1989, knowing what everybody felt, but being in a government that had done nothing about it. And it was the biggest crossroads in my life, basically. I, I had to decide, what was I in this for? Why, so why for, was I doing this job? So for people who haven't seen that moment, just describe what happens when you're speaking on the pitch then. So I'm speaking and, um, you know, doing the, if you like, the, the politician thing bloke in a suit and I mentioned I was there to represent Gordon Brown and one solitary call at first we want justice you know, right at the back of the cop and then 
like stones in an avalanche, they all started rolling off, you know, justice, just, and then it was justice for 96. But the thing about it was, I kind of knew that was the purpose of me being there. You know, as I said, I kind of grown up with the people I was looking at in the cop. The way I describe it is when I went out to address the cop that day, I had a kind of knot in my chest. I mean, I, you know, it was like a coiled sort of spring. I knew something. But my purpose in being there was to allow that something to happen. Um, I, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it was a kind of relief when it when it started. But I knew when I walked out to, to speak to Anfield that day that I was walking basically to the edge of the abyss between the government I was in and the people I grew up with. And it was that, it was that stark. Um, but in the end, I kind of made a sort of um, a break really with the way things were done there. And I, I decided I was, I basically took a different path at that, at that point. It was a path that eventually took me out of Westminster. It led to myself and Steve Rotherham, who I mentioned, who worked with me on Hillsborough, the mayor of the Liverpool city region. Together, we decided to leave and say, look, let's build a, you know, this world will never work for us. It will never work for your city or, you know, mine, Greater Manchester, where I was an MP. Let's build something different outside of this. And that something different more and more is taking shape. So if you were mayor of Heathfield, oh! what are you doing? Uh, fucking hey, old Sussex, is that? Yeah, oh, nice. Am I right? Nice, Andy. Am I gone up in your estimation? Yeah. <laughs> it's just not many people, in fact, if any, know where Heathfield is. East Sussex, yeah. Um, what would I do? I don't know. I'd probably insist on having one of the chains. Like just around me and do that. And you look like a rapper. A you look like a rapper rather than a male. Yeah, one. fair. I'd have gold scissors. Okay, nice. And I would. You do often get given gold scissors to you know when you do some of. The, I do some of this and quite you, you know it's not bad to get the hold of the gold scissors every now and again. I'd insist on like all the keys. Because yeah. you get like keys. Do you get keys to the city? Is that a thing? No, keys. I... You don't get anything. Surely you get keys to the. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I got a pass to the Great Manchester Combined Authority. You've got to get in the door, and if you're going to do your job, but you don't get given. What are you expecting? Keys to what? And they're saying like, oh, you've got keys, the keys to, the to the city now. Yeah, it's a saying, isn't it? It's like, oh, it's not a real thing. <laughs> For fuck's sake! There you go. That would be my first thing as mayor of Heathfield. Where's the keys? I said I just want some keys, and they're like specifically yeah. to what? Well, I don't know the church or <laughs> kebab. In fact, there's quite a lot of kebab shops. What about? Is there a mayor in Nutsford? There is a mayor in Nutsford, but I think, and Andy can correct me on this. I think he's more your old school mayor. Yeah, I think he rocks I up. Think so. Cuts a few ribbons. He's probably got the keys to the services. So when Joe came up to Manchester yesterday, how much did it cost you? Well, it was going to cost me 71 quid to fly from Heathrow to Manchester yeah. T3. But I missed my flight. So it ended up costing me like 200 quid for yeah. trains and taxis. Yeah. And I was like, it's mad, isn't why it? the fuck does it cost me more to get a train up here than it does to fly? Well, it's a question that I, I pose frequently when it costs more to catch a train than it does to catch a plane. Things are not in, a, in the right place, are they, when it comes to tackling but why? climate change? Why? Well, what here in that? this city, you know, it can cost more for somebody to get, two people to get a bus than it can be to get an Uber. Or it, well, it used to be before we did something about that. But, you know, it's it's just not right, is it? We're not going to get it. To where we need to get to with with trains costing you know what here's a question I'll, I'll throw it back at you what is the price of a standard anytime return to London from Manchester Piccadilly if you had turned up today 
So that you could go in peak time. peak time, yeah. So you could go in the peak time. You, I reckon you could be paying, Joe, quite easily. You could end up paying 250, 300 quid. Oh, yeah, you've got to go more than that. It's, ins- why? it's insane. So it used to be, and why was it like sort of pre-lockdown, you could get down to London and back, off peak for about 80 quid. Yeah. Those seem to have gone. Like, yeah. Who's making all this money out of us? Well, yeah, good question. Avanti West Coast are making are making that money, aren't they? What or, have they done with all the trains that aren't running? Uh, well, exactly. Bit um, of a bugbear of mine, this Joe. Yeah, Go on. What's this bugbear? You well, really let's want say to I'm get coming it off down to chest. London to record the pod with you. You often do. Yeah, yeah. And you want to get down. Let's say we start the pod at a reasonable time of like eleven o'clock, so yeah. we're meeting at half ten. So you can so, get an off-peak train. So you can get an off-peak train. You're still looking at hundred twenty quid if you're lucky. That's out of the reach of my. You know what the answer to my question is, though. A standard anytime open return is three hundred and sixty-nine. That's insane. <laughs> three. You could get a cab for that. I got. Well, I tell you what, I did once. I got my team to search on you know sort of travel websites. Where could you go in the world for three hundred and sixty-nine pound in any you know week? Jamaica, India. You know, oh. it's like because you could find you know you could find. Yeah, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? Right. So who's in charge of that? Well, that's the government. So you can't touch that? No, no, I can't. You know, um, rail is something we would like more control over. And this deal we signed recently gives us a little bit more control over it. But yeah, it's, the, it's on the government, that one. Is the North not getting stitched up in this area? Because the trains in the North, Joe, I know you live down in Sussex, you get the train to London. The trains in the North, Andy, either seem to be really old or they seem to be slower than they were 40 years ago or they seem to be really expensive. Like, it's insane. Most people want to travel by train rather than drive. Yeah. Well, I'm a complete stuck record on this topic. It, it's appalling, but it kind of reflects the way the country has been, though, doesn't it? You know, the level of infrastructure is vastly different, isn't it? If you, you're in a different country, if you're traveling around London and the southeast, which includes Heyfield or Hayfield? Heyfield. Heyfield. Yeah. East Sussex. Yeah. Um, then if you're traveling around here, you know, you just got to program in that you're going to be delayed, you're going to be cancelled. Or, you know, I go to gigs all the time in the city. I, you know, I love being here, based here, because, you know, I'm always out here. You kind of have to be running across town at, you know, 10 to 11. And if you miss that last train or it's cancelled, you're in you're in trouble. It's not the case, is it? Uh, elsewhere, it's... When it comes to transport, people in the north have always been second or even third-class citizens. And the reality is, this is the place that invented the railways. But they, governments after that period have never up, updated the Victorian infrastructure and uh, consequently the trains are congested, the tracks are congested, the trains don't run on time and then you get sharks coming along trying to run them that don't run them and yeah, it's it's poor, isn't it? Joe, you've been in Manchester for a couple of days now as we talk about better aspects of Manchester. You had a chat with Martin in Piccadilly Records mm. who's given you a few tips of Manchester bands. Yeah, like my knowledge of the North is really shit. Case I think you've probably realised that in the 20 minutes you've been I'm here. I'm going to test you on rugby league in a minute. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, but uh, I went in and met Martin at Piccadilly Records and yeah. he was talking me through the Great big, man, by the way. Yeah. Big Manchester music scene of which I was like, what? Was there like a big... Man? I, I just love Adele, so that's my knowledge of music. And he was reeling off all these bands of which I'd never heard of, like... The Joy Division, the what was that? The Kooks? No, the, Chameleons. The Chameleons. <laughs> I said, in your opinion, Martin, who is the best band to come out of Manchester? And he went, well, 
it was a band called The Chameleons between 80 and 82, but they never really made it because they had a shit record label, but I think they were there. You'd heard of them, have you? Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Is like music a big thing? Is that... (laughs) Yeah, I know you're winding us up, but... um... (laughs) You know, the I Joy wish Divi- I was. The, you're sitting in Manchester and you've just said the Joy Division. I mean, I mean, Joe, come on. If you're not, and you, I know you are, but if you weren't, you'd have to have a look at yourself if that, if that is actually the... <laughs> the Joy Division. Legit Andy Burnham. I have no fucking idea. Can you I, do us a little jingle, Tom? <laughs> love, love will tear us apart again. Are you honestly saying you've never heard of Joy Division? Or are you as I think you are, winding us up. Uh, eyebrows, which is a term you use. <laughs> I do have some, yeah. Yeah, but I, I would, I, I'm betting you my eyebrows. I'm telling you eyebrows that if you then find oh, out is that I'm a rugby, lying, Is that a rugby union Yeah, thing? you can yeah. then just bick my eyebrows off right. if you find out right. I'm lying. Okay. Eyebrows, I've never heard of Joy Division. And Tom's little jingle there just did not help, so I'm going to have to go to Spotify later on on the way home to work oh that one Lord. out. Well, how about the band that grew out of Joy Division? New Order. Nope. Uh, honestly, it's either Paul Simon, <laughs> Ladysmith, Black Mambazo, or Adele. You're confirming all my worst fears about the south of England. Right, there, now this know? is what I would like to get onto a little bit, because I've noticed it in a couple of your answers. Yeah. It's very north-heavy, obviously. You're the oh, mayor yeah, of absolutely. Greater Manchester. Yeah. And my knowledge of politics is fucking appalling. You know that, Tom. You can support me on that. <laughs> but my knowledge of yourself... The very little knowledge I have was in the back of my mind. I was like Andy Burnham. Yeah, didn't he go through a period of like really hating the South and slagging off Southerners? <laughs> and I just yeah, I bet someone probably didn't that, go well in the England dressing room. Did it some of my uh... <laughs> is is there a big issue with the South North divide that you have? No, I mean it's a myth that I don't like the South. I've lived in London. Uh, I no, I, I'm very. Kind of proud of the whole country, actually. I'm, I am patriotic as a person, for sure. My point is, I just want the North to have the same as the South, and I don't think that's an unreasonable uh, request. And we were just talking about transport, weren't we? Why, why shouldn't we have, have the same? And the thing is, look at Germany. So Germany is a kind of model, really, I think. You know, the Britain had a hand in creating after the Second World War, the kind of way in which Germany has all these different regions. There... In their constitution as a country, there is a law that requires equivalent living standards between all parts of Germany. And, you know, why? We should have that, surely. We don't have that. We don't have that, no. Why don't we have that? Because we've always lived in a kind of London-dominated country, haven't we? Or we didn't, if you go back to the 19th century, because obviously these parts of the world were really powerful in in that time. But in the 20th century, we were kind of put into decline when the industry went and we were just kind of left, weren't we? And the North needs people to speak up and challenge that. And, you know, you might read that as being anti-South. Well, it isn't. I can assure you of that. It's it's more about a country that is actually fair. I mean, levelling up, I'm quite happy to go along with that. But you've got to mean it if you say that phrase. You know, the previous... How many Prime Minister put out? <laughs> Three. Two. Anyway, <laughs> levelling up was the promise. I don't think you can come to the North and promise people things like that and then not do it. You know, it makes things even worse. And we've got to get this right, haven't we? We've got to give everyone a sense that they're getting fairness right across all parts of the country. And people here would not have that sense, particularly when they're trying to get a train home late at night.
Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favorite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namone Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behavior creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. Right, let's, for Joe, as someone who's getting used to the North in the last couple of days, Andy, let's sell the North to him. So, apart from the Joy Division, which are the Mancunian... Sorry, is it not the Joy Division? Which are the Mancunian I bands, I honestly Andy? don't believe that that is... Uh, Sorry, it, Andy, you'll have to well, get your head around that one. I'm going to have to get my head around that one. But. Right, give us five bands, Andy, that Joe should listen to on the way home. Well, what you, you tell us what you like, don't you? Which I'm, Adele, I'm, Lady Smith, my bar zone, Paul I'm Simon. I'm struggling. Uh... Well, M people, you remember M people, don't you? They're from Manchester. Correct, yeah. Hang on, didn't they? Greater Manchester. Uh, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How does it go? Which one do you want? you got to search for the, the hero, hero inside. I was going to say river. There's no uh, river inside. So they're from Greater what Manchester. What have you done today? To make your head so you know it. Proud. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah. yeah. See, you do. You do. So M people. So, I, what do you want? The kind of the classic classics or the sort I want of what's yours. The now? I want your recommendations. Well, I, I listen to the stuff that's happening now, uh, actually, because Manchester's got a bit of a habit of harking back, let's say. So, who, who am I listening to at the moment? Big Manchester band. I would say the Slow Readers Club. Stick it in Spotify. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're great. Cortinas. Not 19 forever, no. Fucking hell, I'm really like... Have you heard of these? I've heard the Cortinas, but unlike Andy, I haven't kept up to date with what's happening in music. What Smith's track should he listen to? I think the best ever Smith song is How Soon Is Now, mm. I think. So I would say that, but I doubt it'll be to his tastes, but still, it's it's pretty... Epic, All right, in it? that case, I want the best uh, Mondays track you should listen to and a Stone Roses track, please. With um, Happy Mondays, I would say Rope For Luck. <laughs> Yeah, I'd go straight to that. Stone Roses, I would probably say, are the, you know, the the pinnacle of Manchester music. I was nineteen. Their album, I think we, I think we've just gone through, and their album came out this week. I think, well, how many years ago now? Thirty-four, I think. Or something. Uh, well, yeah, that album is the best album of all time. I think. Do you think they should have binned it off after that first album in retrospect? Well, like people who do an album like that, you know, the Lars were around at the same time from Liverpool, and they did a similarly sort of epic first album and just couldn't get close to it again so it was too good wasn't it really you know I, but we've still got that album I, I was in Piggly Records I you know I bought it in Piggly Records in 1989 first job out of in, home from uni in the summer and yeah that album is it is Joe trust me on this and Honestly, you know, you need to branch out a little bit. Go home and listen to that. Honestly, even in the South, people like it. I promise you, they do. Never in a million years did I think uh, a politician, ex-politician, mayor of Greater Manchester, be so passionate about speaking about music oh, the no, way you have. No, I just thought it. you just wanted no, to talk about politics. See, I, so. I have to admit this. I was born in Liverpool, which is a hard thing to admit when you're the mayor of Greater Manchester. I know, I know, I can see you're you. a Liverpoolian uh, in by Manchester. Birth, I'm an Evertonian by uh, allegiance, but my dad got a job here when I was one, so I grew up mainly in Manchester. And as I say, I was working with him in the summer of 1989 when the Stone Roses album came out. I was the look. My timing was immaculate. And you remember? Do you remember that? Here? Well, yeah, I was 
everywhere. I was at the Smiths at Salford University in 1986. I was, I was there. That's, that is often spoken of as one of the top 10 gigs worldwide of all of The all glasses time. you're wearing are slightly Morrissey, actually. <laughs> well, there were, yeah, there, there would have been pictures in that era where I probably was trying a bit you know, to... Uh, I'm still trying to get my head around you're from Liverpool. Does that not like go against you as the mayor of Greater it, Manchester? Uh, yeah, it, to a degree, but you know, this is a great open-minded, welcoming city. It welcomes people from the south, even though you, you call them the Joy Division, people will still probably... Hang on, you're really caught up in that one, aren't you? <laughs> is it not the Joy Division? I need you... You're not answering me, Tom. Joy Division. It's just Joy Division. Just Joy Division. But in, in a, a way sentence... Adele's not the Adele. But she is the Adele for me. That's actually the thing. This episode is sponsored by the following lovely people. Who's the fairest of them all? It's Matthew Fairs. The groundsman Terry Cash. In Dictionary Corner, it's John and Victoria Collins. Magnificent Maggie Vidovice. Now Robert Dale Biggs. Grant the Old Bailey, the Isle of Kyle Lewis. You're a wizard, Harry. Hoxley. Tristan Hall, Alex Luke and Chris Swallow. Nate the Great Doyle. Double Denim, Sally Wenham. And the East Ender, Aaron Slater. To be more like all of them, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Show, become an official sponsor, get bonus content and grow the show today. Um, what about yesterday when we were walking around the place and we stumbled upon that statue of Mahatma Gandhi mm-hmm. and I was trying to work out, well, why the fuck is there a statue of Gandhi in the middle of Manchester and then we explored it a little bit and yeah. got the story behind that. Because then, yeah, the but, nature of the place. Why have we got a statue of Abraham Lincoln? Did he go past that? Uh, I heard about that. Wasn't it something to do with... Um, in fact, why don't I ask the mayor of Greater Manchester <laughs> then? Why is there a statue of Abraham Lincoln? It's a great story. I'll keep it quick. Because this place was Cottonopolis in, let's say, 1862, which was the height of the American Civil War. So the cotton that was coming out of America, slave picked, was coming through Liverpool and it was being woven here. Obviously, Abraham Lincoln was trying to stop those states from being reliant on slavery, you know, all of that history. Anyway, cutting a long story short, in 1862 at the Free Trade Hall Manchester, work, the working men of Manchester, who were the cotton workers, took a vote and they resolved that they would not handle slave picked cotton. So think about that, 160 years ago, this... Humble workers of this city were saying Black Lives Matter. It's pretty, pretty big deal, I, I would say. And then, you know, modestly, Abraham Lincoln sent us a statue of himself. Hang um, on a minute. Yeah, he did. He sent it himself. Praising were... those workers for what he called their sublime Christian heroism. His letter was lovely, though. It, the letter he wrote to the working men of Manchester, you should look it up. It, it, it is, it's inspiring, actually, in these divided times. And... Um, we still have Lincoln Square and a, and a statue of Abraham Lincoln today, which I'm pretty pretty proud of. Actually, as the mayor of as the mayor of Greater Manchester, I think it sort of ruins it a little bit that he sent his own statue. Uh, a little, I, I, yeah. <laughs> maybe I mean, it was I, still massive. Should I should I start doing that? Do you think? You know, sending um, statues of yourself. I send one to Nutsford. I'm not sure what I've done for Nutsford though. So uh, no, but, but we'll have one in Heathfield. <laughs> Like if you want to get one sorted, I'll put well, that for like bonfire night or something. What, what, pose would you strike? <laughs> what pose would you strike in your statue? Oh God, I'd have to go after one. There'd have to be a sort of a 
a Liam or an Ian Brown type poem. Oh, nice. He's making out he hasn't thought about it. <laughs> I see what you're doing there. It's really good. Yeah. I've got one more question on the music, and I'm sure you're not going to be able to answer it. So you, you're born in Liverpool, grew up in Manchester, you're the mayor of Greater Manchester, you support yeah. Everton. You can either choose for the rest of your life to listen to music exclusively from Liverpool-based bands or listen to music exclusively from Manchester-based bands. What are you going for? No, the latter. I'm not even you know having to sort of think about that or caveat it. No, I... I in my teenage years, I went sort of, if you like, west down the M62 for football. But I was, no, I was, as I said, I was Manchester music all, all the way. And as, you know, Joe was sort of asking about it, but it's genuine. You know, I've I've set up a new thing now called Mayor's Artist of the Month, where I pick an up, up and coming band every month to give them a bit of a, a bit of a lift. Your job as mayor is just so varied from talking about trying to get more money in the north from the yep. south and making it all fair to the transport system to promoting up-and-coming artists in the music industry yeah. and also meeting the Pope. <laughs> what, how did that yeah. happen? What was that yeah. about? Yeah, that's a, probably, that's a fair question. Um, Manchester Cathedral... Um, Unbelievable building. Actually, we saw that on the estate. That was near the Gandhi correct, yeah. statue, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, they got um, invited by the Vatican to lead an interfaith delegation. So one of the great things about this city is the way in which, you know, obviously you've got the Anglican community, Catholics, um, you've got the Jewish community, Hindu community, Sikh community, all Muslim community, all came with us to to Rome. So we had a sort of a you know, multi-faith delegation, which I led with uh, the Bishop of Manchester, the Catholic Archbishop of Manchester. You know, it was... Yeah, it was it was really something actually. And you decided to take him a, a picture of yeah. Lissandra Martinez. I did, I did, <laughs> I did. Well, what possessed you to do that then? Because they're friends, uh, as far as I know. Well, he's he's Argentinian, of course. Do you know who Lissandra Martinez is? Footballer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For Everton, <laughs> Man City. Keep going. United? Yeah, yeah. Fucking hell, Jasper's going to be livid. Who's Martinez? The one with dyed hair? He is centre-back. He's too small yeah. to be a centre-back, but he's a great centre-back. He's brilliant. Oh, he's quite aggressive. Yeah, yeah okay. He's anyway. He's brilliant. I've established he's a footballer now, and he's mates with the Pope. Well, let me, let me put it slightly differently. I think there's they'd had some contact. But anyway, I was going to Rome, and people were saying, well, what should we take that's typical of Manchester? Well, let's. we've got an Argentina player at City, Alvarez, and we've got Martinez at Man United. Let's offer both, you know, do they want to send, you know, the connection with the Pope? Anyway, what came back was, you know, a really sort of heartfelt request from Lissandro Martinez to give the Pope a personal gift from him with a personal message on it, which is what I did. I was very proud to deliver because this Pope, he's got like a real feel for people, hasn't he? He's kind of a, you know, he wouldn't expect sort of fine gifts, would he? That's that's what would appeal to him. He's a little bit different to his predecessors. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a tricky yeah. one though, isn't it, Joe? Because ordinarily in that situation, you'd ask Lissandro Martinez to do a signed shirt, but the Pope can't really just stick on a football shirt, can he? It's on vibe. <laughs> he does. I, I'm told he has a collection of football memorabilia. Does he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not an accident. Well, you know, this is. Well, I, I didn't get to see it, but I'm told he does have a collection of And a puffer jacket. I'm sure. He's got a puffer jacket, yeah. He's now got a puffer jacket collection. Yeah, I, I think really, that was AI. Was, AI, yeah. was it? Yeah. Who knows these days? It's so funny. <laughs> You're not... The normal run-of-the-mill mayor 
I thought I was going to come across today. What is today. that normal? Well, I, right. to be fair, I didn't know what I was <laughs> to expect, but yeah. you just seem... I just, how do I come across... I'm, make this I'm come worried across. what's coming here now, but go on. Well, you just seem really, like, normal <laughs> and down to earth and sort of you just talk about normal stuff as well as all these unbelievable things that you do to try and bring the North... Like, the king in the North. You're like, from Game of Thrones. You're like Stark, but with the, with a head. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I take it as a compliment. Thank you. I mean, well, I, I tried I, to make it a compliment, yeah. and it is meant in that way. Well, I, I take I take it as such. And I, you know, I I'm grateful for it. I mean, I what can I say? I mean, I as you've probably heard, I you know, I, I'm not born into a family of politicians. I'm the only one, <laughs> so definitely the, the the outlier in that way. And when I was in Westminster, I mean, I, for what you obviously didn't create much impression on you there, but maybe not on a lot of people, because I don't know, it was never my world fully. I mean, you were asking me about going back. It was never my natural habitat, if I'm honest with you. you Do know, you have I... to be a twat to succeed? <laughs> or have elements of twattery? I think definitely the latter, yeah, definitely elements of, I guess. But but in anything, you know, I'm, there's a lot of good people down there. I'm not, you know, the, the, but the system, it's not so much, I, no, I'm going to reverse your question around, you know, it's, you have to conform to a system that makes you appear something you're not sometimes. Because the way the Westminster system works is, you know, you've got to follow a three-line whip. You've got to vote in certain ways. Even if at times you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not sure. You don't vote, you, you're out of the fold and all the rest of it. Or you go into an in, a media interview and you've got like, a, you know, lines to take. This is the party line. And honestly, it's no surprise, is it, that politicians don't come over because they're kind of reading things they may half believe in, voting for things they maybe don't believe in. I've said this, I, I think the problem with the Westminster system is that it it makes frauds out of good people because it makes you come over as something that you're not. And and I think that's a problem. And I kind of felt it happening to me. And I had that moment, as I said to you before, you know, where I had to choose really, what was I in this for? Was I going to be true to the people I grew up with or still climb that greasy pole and do what I thought the powers that be wanted me to do? So I, as I say, I, I, I definitely made, in my view, the right call to sort of move away from it because... Yeah, I don't know where I would be now if I was still down in Westminster. I'd probably be unhappy. And uh, I'm much, much happier here. So I think it's I think that's what it does. You know, it makes people often don't come over from those Westminster roles because they're not fully able to be themselves. And I think politics in this country needs to do something about that. I personally would get rid of the three-line whip. You know, in the US, politicians can use more independent, you know, because nine times out of 10, I would have voted with the late, you know, so there wouldn't have been a risk, it wouldn't have been like chaos, you know, we largely would have followed, but there may have been one in 10 where I said, no, no, not happy with this. And that probably should be a signal to them to think again anyway, you know, to kind of give more power to parliament. But because of the three-line whip, the civil service often has more power than parliament because everyone's just rubber stamping what that, do you see the point I'm making? So I, I've come, you know, as I've come away from it and I've looked back on my time there, I just think we need to fundamentally rewire this whole thing. I favour proportional representation for the Commons now, an elected Senate of the nations and regions in the Lords, more devolution to places like this, get rid of the, the three-line whip system, let people just go in there and be authentic. You know, it's, it's a problem. We've run out of time, Tom. I'm going to ask for one more question because it's relevant to you, Joe. Right. Fuck's so, sake. Andy, when Joe is on the train from Piccadilly later on and he's going back south yeah. and he's listening to the Joy Division. <laughs> you pair of fuckers. The, I got it. Okay. 
carry on. And when he, get, <laughs> when he gets back to Heathfield and he's got any number of Mancunian facts in his head after the last couple of mm, days, yeah. you want Joe to be a voice for the North oh, yeah, yeah. in Sussex. Is that possible, Joe? What would you like Joe to say to the people of Heathfield about Manchester? Oh, um... Well, leave music out of it. Don't go there, I think. We're not, not got uh, enough expertise yet to do that. <laughs> no, fine. no, we, we, your education will continue on that on that front. I, we're not against Heathfield or the, or the South. We're not, you know. We're, we are largely pretty patriotic and, you know, positive people here. But I would, I would want them to understand that when we're calling for things, it's about just getting the same that, that everywhere has got. And it's not, it's not hostility or anything, anything uh, like that. We're friendly, friendly people, you know. You're Lovely friendly. people. You enjoyed it being there. Loved it, and I'll definitely take that back. I think the biggest thing I'll take is it's not hostility. It's about fairness and also realizing that us southerners maybe take things for granted a little bit. That do you know what I mean? With a little compared to <laughs> what we've got going on, do you know? So yeah. we have now officially run out of time, Tom. Unless you're going to do it again. <laughs> thing. And well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And thanks for coming to Manchester. I appreciate that as well. And uh, yeah, come back. Will I be allowed back? Definitely. <laughs> the mayor will, you know, I'll, I'll give you an escort at the station. When everyone hears about the Joy Division, you're going to have a bit of an issue here for some years to come. But we'll, we'll put you in a Manchester Music re-education camp. You, know, you can go and do that for a few bit. Yeah. Sounds quite intense. <laughs> but I'm up for it. Very intense. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Cheers. Cheers, Joe. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Thank Andy. You. Cheers. Wait for the drums. I like the church bells in the background. Are they church bells? No. Synthesizer? Yep. Sound a bit like church bells. That's the beauty of a synthesizer, Joe. So, the Joy Division. Thoughts? I quite like them. Are you doing a little fade out on your phone? A little bit, yeah. Radio Sorry, DJ. There in the background. I really like him. Uh, need to fade it out now because Ryan's fingering me. Uh, need. To, oh, there we go. I could be a DJ fading it out as coolly as I did. I really like the Joy Division. I don't think Andy Burnham likes me very much. I think I disrespected his home city on occasion by calling him the Joy Division, and he didn't believe that I. I didn't actually know he who He looked they were. genuinely unsettled at that point because he was looking at you thinking... You've got me on a wind-up here. You've got me on a wind-up. And it wasn't. But now that I've heard him, I really like the sort of sombre tone to... What's the what's his lead singer's voice? Ian Curtis. I really like the sombre tone to... Uh -huh. Bit lazy. Not lazy, that's disrespectful, but a bit like... What do you think to his moves on stage? Ryan has sent a very familiar gif of Ian Curtis dancing. Yeah, again, someone I think I could jam with. If you were ever to score another try in professional rugby, could you make it your solemn pledge to celebrate like Ian Curtis danced by the mic stand? It's quite a long intro into the song though, isn't it? I'd have to be there a while. Well, you could just do a section of it. I'd probably give it a miss. <laughs> I'd rather dance to Top Loader. What? No, no. I'd rather dance to Keen. Oh. They haven't even got a distinctive dance move. Doesn't if matter. If you did Curtis, everyone, open brackets, who knows Ian Curtis, close brackets, would recognise that you were doing Ian Curtis. No, I'd much rather dance to a bit of Marvin Gaye. 
No. Let's get it on. A bit higher, he's more... Let's get it on! Sounds a bit like Ed Sheeran, that song. I'd ra- oh, mm. nasty. I'd rather dance to Adele, someone like you. Okay. Is there a dance, though, that is so distinctive? Yeah, you stand still. Okay. And you move your hands. A hand dance. Every so often. Okay, Joe, fair enough. One more thing before we go. If you're listening to this and you fancy getting yourself a cheeky, a beautiful, a delightful Joe Marler Show snapback cap. Snapback. Is it just called snap a snapback? Yeah, snapback. Snapback. Snap, snap it back, y'all. You can click on the link in the episode description. My tower's full nice till next time we record the podcast ching 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 church bells crowd network a place where you belong Podcast Network.